Ladies and gentlemen. Space. How many mics do we? Government. The other day. Tiger Woods about the tear. Come on, son, 13, I'm on one, two. Rapper still an art, and no one's from the old school. Cause rapper still a brand new tool, I say. Yeah, no. yeah, once again, my friends, you have entered the same old new school. I am one of your hosts, Idris Goodman. And I'm the other, Kevin Koval. And we do this every single week, right here on Vocalo Radio, all the streamers. A shout out, super producer Justin Mayer. What do we do here, Kevin Covell? What do we do here? Talking about the culture, you know, whatever's happening in the culture, we're going to talk about it. And, you know, usually we have a number of topics. It's it's always good to chop it up with you, Idris. And, and it's fun, man. I mean, week in and week out, we are scouring the internets. We are scouring the news feeds, you know, the, the TLs to see what is happening in the world of hip hop, cultural practice and beyond. And you and I just managed to sneak this one in because this, yeah. this 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 thing dropped last night and it's apropos to mention that this film is about a dynamic trio and so in a way you know we are similar to that trio you could almost say that we are the male salt and pepper in a yes way. no i've often thought of this conglomerate as the male salt and pepper <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Lifetime dropped the salt and pepper biopic last night. It was a major event. Everyone was talking about it. I was getting texted like crazy. Did you catch it? What did you think? Yeah, well, you know, we knew it was coming, right? Because one of our peoples is involved with it, you know, shout out Bob Title. Oh, yeah, the great the great Columbia College alum, stand up. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, yeah, Chicago is very much in, in the building. Um, I did catch it, and I, I have a lot of thoughts about it. I will say just out the gate, it immediately put me on to something that I didn't really even know about salt and pepper. And even before that, I'll say it was just a welcomed almost like family reunion because I was I was awash with memory about how important this group is and and how many hits they've had but but the thing just that at the top of the film that I didn't know is that in 85 they started as a crew with a disc record of yes. Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick yes, and indeed. show have you ever seen a show with fellas on the mic with one minute rhymes that don't come out right they fight they never write that's not polite am I lying no you're quite right have you ever been to jams where people just stand they pay to come in and they don't even jam And I would say that to me was my favorite part of the film. And and I think a lot of these like bio movies, the best parts of them is always the like beginnings. Cause that's usually the stuff that we didn't know because people always want to know like, oh, who found your demo tape or who, you know, but it's like they're living, you get a whole lifetime. So yeah, that early years where even before her and Salt or Salt and Peppa recorded the disc record answer to Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh Cruise and Slick Rick, the show. But originally it was supposed to be Herbie and yes, right. Cheryl slash Salt. I didn't, yes. that I didn't, that was a complete shocker. No, I didn't know that. I mean, what, what's so great about it is that it's in then direct response to, you know, the Roxanne Wars, right? Because they're they're modeling, you know, what, you know, Roxanne Shantae and, you know, the real Roxanne had done in response to UTFO. So there was already a blueprint for mm-hmm. women MCs to come into the space. And so, you know, under the guidance of Hervey, Lovebug, you know, Salt, and then eventually Pepper were formed as a way to kind of model this blueprint, you know, which is really interesting, something I definitely did not know. And it's funny because I was just thinking about what we just talked about, which was Cupcakes, How to Rob. 
right this record yeah, and we talked about that right. yeah that like this is how far back that goes that like it's the easiest way to get a name for yourself is saying somebody take, else's I'll name on wax yeah. exactly and they yeah. and they literally say that in the film like everyone's yeah. gonna know who we are and salt you know cheryl was like i'm not even a rapper and he's like it don't matter <laughs> right right you bring up a good point i mean i think that one thing i wish for this film is that, that maybe it was a series rather than you know a three hours on lifetime you know biopic because there's so much there and and you're right i think that you know it's part of the reason why you wrote an incredible award-winning play that is iconic that will stand as one of the best things that has been produced as a breakbeat play how we get on because that early story about how young people get over and develop and have the idea that is bigger than themselves is such a beautiful and inspiring thing to yeah. see and yeah. it is great to see that in in this piece Oh, yeah. No. And the way that they juxtapose that with or, or not juxtapose, but just interlace it with sort of the development of, of Cheryl and Herbie's relationship, the development of Cheryl and uh, Sandy's relationship, Peppa, the relationship with the industry as a whole, like all of that stuff really establishes Cheryl is very much through her point of view is very much about the situation or the conundrum she's in that I think a lot of people get in when they're in groups or any collaboration, there's always the believer. There's always the one who's trying to be the glue and bring it together. And that's what felt really, actually, even as a hip hop story, to me, I thought that was one of the successes of it. It's a few things. One is I thought the relationship between Cheryl and Sandy, I thought they did a really great job of making that feel very authentic. The two leads I thought were fantastic. So good. I, they I, were I'm fantastic. so excited for their future, right? They you were see, Because you see them, I, I don't know who they are necessarily yeah. prior to this. Right. And you just, you really do feel like they are stars. The, the, the actor who played Herbie as well, I thought was also yeah. fantastic. Maybe minus the flat top wig. The flat top wig was a little, little embarrassing. About and, kids, and yo, which I didn't know. A kid and play worked in the same Sears call and, center. No, I've and heard Martin them Lawrence. tell us. Yeah, I've heard. I've actually heard kid tell that story. Yeah, Incredible. I've heard kid tell it. Yeah, no, but it was cool. It's, yeah, Martin Lawrence, all of them. And then you think about the movie House Party and that oh, whole yes. that whole camp, man. This film brings back so much nostalgia, though, because you know, to what you're saying is that you one, you forget a little bit how many hits Salt and Pepper had. Yeah. how important they were to the culture they're long like they spanned decades which is very difficult to do oh my gosh you know? yeah and i think one of my favorite things in this piece is their dapper dan jackets that they show you know and just and just because i don't know what the budget was of this film but you know they do a nice job of capturing some iconic moments in style that salt and pepper really led i mean the film really shows how actually quite innovative they were, and Herbie too, man. Herbie is not in the pantheon enough of like when we think about iconic producers, right? Like, I mean, the scene where they're making Push It. Like that sound also is like, that is the sound of right now. Let me just Yo. throw it out. I don't make Yo. beats, but if I did make beats, everything I would be making right now would have that sort of mid to late 80s, synthy, kind of house, kind of techno. I mean, you know, when, when Cheryl creates um, Express Yourself. Now, Joe wanna be like Bob. Bob got it going on with no job. And everything Rob got, he got 
you know, which was a really great piece of trivia that that was, she produced that song, which I never knew. And Express Yourself is actually a really progressive song, man. It's house. It's like house. It's arranged like crazy. It's super pop. And it was ahead of its time. And, and even in the video, too, it actually made me go back and look at the video. They redid the video for the movie. But you see this moment where sort of the old salt and pepper look, like there's some girls, you know, dressed like salt and pepper from Push It. And then it shows like salt and pepper, how they looked now, quote unquote. And you see them stand up and kind of leave behind the past. And it's actually yeah. a really deep moment. And now I know the context for all that of like how many, how they always were reinventing themselves, reinventing their look. But it's because they always had this sort of presence, this sort of Herbie, I'm the producer, I write the songs for you, kind of like that tension was always there, which I had no idea about. Like I, I didn't know any of that stuff was was going on. So that was a very interesting piece. And you're right, they did kind of cross over into, you know, what for a little time in Chicago, at least, was that hip house space, mm -hmm. in which kind of, you know, was a short-lived moment, but I think, you know, got further and further into the culture after there was this specific time. And I, I really loved that sound when it came out in Chicago in the late 80s. And I think salt and Pepper, along with others, really helped to further it and ensure that hip-hop remained true to its roots in the sense that they were producing party records and dance records. And, and you know, they did, they did a great job of, of making sure that they continue to do that. Mark my words, Kevin Cole and all you listeners, now that we are out of four years of Trump and when we eventually can start to come out of our caves, I guarantee you we're going to move away from, I think, the more darker trap kind of drugged out sound and we are going to move into a much brighter like house techno you know of course sewn together by hip-hop yeah. but i feel like the music is going to get we're, we're headed it's to celebratory the, and yeah, yeah maybe a little it, more joyful we're going to be so hopeful we're, we're heading into a new disco era like like we're going to be yeah. so happy i mean minus all the cocaine because everyone's going to still be wary of each other's uh, uh you know what what, what people are, are spreading they want their um, septum to remain in place yeah but we're just gonna want to celebrate we're gonna want to party and we're gonna we're gonna feel way more grateful to be alive and in, in our bodies and in public and able to and able to to jam so yes, sir. Uh, i could be wrong but i'm probably not well, yo, this is Vocalo Radio. You already know I uh, am one of your co-hosts for the same old new school. My name is Kevin Koval. And I am Idris Goodwin. We do this every single week, talk about everything from film to music to politics, anything in the sphere of hip-hop culture. I'm glad we talked about the salt and pepper biop film. And I, I think we're going to talk about uh, this new two-part documentary about the goat to ever hit the green links. I don't even know if that's a thing. I feel like no, Cuban you should have stuck with it. You had it, bro. You yeah, had yeah, it. yeah. But the new Tiger Woods documentary that is, no. uh, you know, running around on HBO, you peeped it. I did peep it, man. And I, I loved it. Actually, I thought it was brilliant. And actually, in a way, there were things about watching that and then watching Salt and Pepper that like, I kind of wished the salt and pepper movie was a two-part documentary you know yeah. because there's just oh, yeah. you can just go deeper with documentary you know again similar stuff it's just things i didn't know i didn't know he had been playing golf that long like when he was like a zygote and i thought the film really did a great job of of doing something that was real like character study it really like got into his psyche and his character it was a real psychological drama and like kind of a, a real tragic story in a way 
Yeah, no, the rise and the fall. And and one of the things that I appreciated particularly about the second part of the documentary is that it did explore some of the deep-seated psychological reasoning for his unwinding, you know, yeah. for his uh, sexual addiction, for yeah. his, you know, desire to be seen and loved and and kind of like a fracture, the necessity of fracturing the mask and, and why he's wearing the mask in the first place. And kind of like the duplicitous life that, you know, he felt like he had to lead in some ways. And and I'm yeah. not excusing any of what he did by any means, but I do appreciate that they went into it. And ultimately, I think, you know, were sympathetic both to Tiger Woods and, you know, Elin, his his wife. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. You know, and and to the women that he also, you know, led on and, and brought into his sphere. You know, I mean, I, one thing about this film that, I, you know, I, I did not really consider is that Tiger Woods, you know, at his height, as he was starting to become, you know, one of the most recognizable people on the planet, one of the most recognizable brands on the planet, his mentors are some of the, you know, most trash mentors probably you could possibly have, Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley. Yeah, well, especially when it came to like, you know, hanging out and, and right, you that's know, what it, yeah. dealing with women and all that, you know, and even even in the when they show some of that footage, it's like he's such a fish out of water. He's such a need of mentorship. I mean, it's like the film is really about. I mean, it's definitely about like masculinity and this sort of pathetic state of like <laughs> of the contemporary American male and yeah. and how we're you know just that duality of here's what it takes to be a competitor. Here's what it takes to be excellent. Here's what it takes to be successful. Everything that we're taught about what it takes to be those is the opposite of what it takes to be patient, compassionate, vulnerable, honest. You know, those are always in conflict, you know, and the road sometimes that we take to become, quote unquote, successful, you know, often harms others. But like people are like, well, whatever, he's still the greatest at this game, right? Like, you know, the greatest at this game, but like, no people skills, you know, lost, you know, all these other things. So it was, it was a real, I mean, I felt for, I felt for him in many ways because, you know, I think, you know, when they make him break up with his girlfriend and, you know, and, and, yeah. um, no, he, he was reared into the culture of patriarchy and misogyny. Yeah. And obviously he's culpable, but also he was a child like any, yeah. Yeah. which is really, I think, does the work of pointing to the system and not blaming necessarily the individual. The individual is responsible to make their own decisions, but also it's a much larger systemic issue. Exactly. And, and that problem with how we educate, you know, young men specifically. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's easier to just be like, oh, that dude messed up or like, right. what an idiot or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay. But like, it's what is the lesson? What, indict, what, yeah. what do we learn from? What do we learn from the Tiger Woods example? And, you know, and it, it went much deeper, man, in a way that, you know, the tabloids or the, you know, it's funny whenever in these movies, whenever they cut to talk show hosts making jokes about these people, a, you realize how not at all funny those jokes are. Like, they're really not good. But you also realize, like, how talk show hosts, particularly in those earlier eras, were like the Twitter of their day. 
They yes. were the original yes, trolls, right? right? Like that's Jay right. Leno was like being the worst offender. Just like this guy would just drag people into the dirt. In some ways, you know, hip hop, I mean, because one of the things that I did, I went back and like listened to some of the joints that yeah. uh, Tiger Woods gets mentioned on. Oh, yeah, it's a and, lot. And, and, hip hop loves it's, Tiger it's, Woods, man. Oh, I know. It's, well, of course, because he, he also, you know, represents black excellence, you know, yeah. and like he's he's the height, you know, if you, if you think you're the illest rapper in the world, you know, one of the easy metaphors that you can use is you could, you know, throw Tiger, you know, if you were like Tiger Woods, we know what that means, you know? And I, I think that there's so many, like there also ran like 15 years of Tiger Wood references in hip hop, like from the beginning to even then when, you know, he got caught up. But two of the main references that I remember, I'm sure you remember these two is, you know, most Steph on Body Rock and the Lyricist Lounge record says, relax, pull the seat up, make your landlord turn the heat up. It got the opposition shook like Tiger Woods mm -hmm. about to tee yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> what you skeet up a treat up, relax and pull the seat up, make your landlord turn the Heat up, got the opposition shook like Tiger Woods about the tea up. Such a hindu competition with the clear most definition. And she's screaming down. Right. Yeah. And then on the first on the first Kanye record, you know, common on Get Em High, you know, says rock clubs like Tiger Woods in the hood. You super still got love. That's why I abuse you who are not thugs. Rock clubs like Tiger Woods in the hood. So I have my own reality show. But, you know, I couldn't forget, especially when he goes on Oprah and talks about being Cablasian the draft from the Chappelle show. Oh, yo. Yeah, the racial right. draft. And first of all, you realize how great Chappelle's impression of him was. But also, there is that thing, and I'm glad they touched on it, which is like black folk were quick to claim him. And, you know, when he was like, well, you know, I'm this dad, we was all like, man, you black, shut up. You know, yeah. uh, but it does, it does bring to mind that this age old thing in America. And we see it with Kamala Harris. We see it with Obama. Like, there are some that are like, no, they are they are multiracial and da 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 da, and then there are many of us that are like, still stuck on that one drop rule stuff, which is like, you know, black is, it is the opposite of white. So if you are particularly in a white space, particularly in a, a culture that is known for restricted clubs and all that, like, you know, you black, like you, <laughs> you know, because of that's how you are yeah. perceived. That's how you walk in the world, and that right. is going to define how you're treated. The, even the fact that we're even discussing it means you black. Yeah, no, of course, and, and that makes sense. It's it's also, I think, one of the beautiful things about hip hop is that it encourages us to understand fluidity and hybridity yeah. in in new and and very progressive ways. And I think all of us are, you know, can be stuck in a you know monoculturalism for a number of reasons. And I think that's reflective itself of like you know white supremacies main idea that it leads to, you know, fascism, you know, and I think that's reflective then in any space that holds one idea to be the like capital T truth. And I think the great thing about hip hop is that it demands and, and encourages us to think about multiple truths and, you know, multiple things can be the truth at the same time too. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. I think, I think that um, if he had been a rapper you know, he would have been able to break that down. You know what I mean? Yeah. But again, it's a bittersweet truth. But I do think, listen, I think we're in an entirely different moment now than we were then. I think, you know, if a Tiger Woods shows up now, it's much easier for us to sort of think about the multiplicity. And it's a stupid, it's a stupid thing to even... But you're, we're seeing it now, you, you know, to your point, like we're seeing it now with Kamala Harris, right? And, oh, and yeah. you know, and I, I think that was one of the refreshing things about the stage uh, at the inauguration in some ways was, you know, you got to see, you know, her represent and at least people kind of begin to incorporate, you know, her multiplicity into, into the conversation.
Yeah, big facts. Well, uh, yeah, man. Well, I dug it. I'm glad we got to chop it up about it. I thought it was really brilliantly done. And there was a lot I didn't know, man. I didn't know the lengths of his injuries and all that. And uh, and definitely, you know, and definitely like that piece about the obsession, though, to be excellent, that obsession to become a master, that constant desire to adapt to your circumstances, all of that stuff felt very resonant to me as a as a worker, as a maker, as someone who's also obsessed with excellence and, and doing my thing, you know? So yeah, it was, it was dope. Yeah. It's really, it's a cautionary tale, right? I For mean, sure. I think, and I think they yeah. mentioned that it is a tale about someone who is uniquely focused and also someone who, you know, is going through a very difficult growth period and is you know, needing to shed these lessons learned and, and carried with us uh, that, that are ways to maintain the systems of patriarchy and misogyny. You know? Yeah. And a real call for one to always be in a reflective space of trying to know thyself, you know, and unpack. Yeah. And, unpack and, all and, and seek mental health too. Yeah, like like seek, out, seek out conversations. I mean, that's the yeah. thing, right? I mean, this is also a story of redemption too, because, yeah. you know, he came back and started to win again. And we're, you know, we're talking about. That's right. Uh, this is the uh, same old new school. I'm Idris Goodwin. And I'm Kevin Cole. And we do this. We just chop it up about what just dropped, what came out, and and what way does hip-hop play a part in it. Well, speaking of hip-hop, you know, we haven't talked about any music straight up. Like, you know, we talked about Salt Pepper, we talked about Kid Play. But we need to talk about new albums coming out. And you hipped me to a new release from a favorite of both of ours, Mr. Farrell Monch. Yeah, this is his project with a few other musicians, Daru Jones and Marcus Machado. They call the Crew 13. The name of the album is A Magnificent Day for an Exorcism. And to me, man, I mean, I, you know, I think, you know, any given day, Farrell Monch might be in my top five. And this record solidifies the reasons. I mean, he's, you know, particularly, the, you know, there's a few songs where, like, on The Magician. Or, you know, the three six word stories. Son, come on, son, 13, I'm on one, two, three, four, five, Jackson's action. My eyes stained glass, look through, see the labor pains when my brain goes into contractions. Crack pipes, Wesley Snipes. His bars, his precision as a poet and as a performer of you know these incredibly complex schemes and narratives and you know just deep deep wordplay and a love of language you see him over a different bed than just yeah. you know just you know like nod your head breakbeats i mean this yeah. is this is as much of a you know rock metal punk record as it is is it is anything yeah i mean it definitely meant it, it was um it was good to hear him again i don't i don't think i've heard I think the last like full album I listened to was was War, uh, We Are Renegades, which uh, has an amazing duet with Black Thought on it. Stay on top of the globe, flip Monopoly's aim, take stock in the soul, spit properly, properly. Take stock in the soul, spit properly. That extended clip on my hip sits awkwardly. I'm diabolical, follicle triggers that I cock and squeeze. And so it was really refreshing to hear him again. He sounds refreshed. The tracks are really, I mean, it was an amazing marriage of music and vocals. It was like very 
very focused, very much in control. Definitely know I'm going to be giving this one the rewind a few times to unpack all the goodies in there. But he just, man, he just sound. We're talking about mastery with Tiger Woods. He just yeah. it sounds like a master at work. It just sounds like you know another offering from that '90s class of just showing us how it's done, reminding us how it's done. You know, when when Wu Tang talks about or Jizza talks about liquid swords, you know, mm-hmm. like like this is the fineness in which someone is you know, going, like extending the line and cutting the line, and you know, in jamming and internal rhyme and just so many, so many skills are displayed when Pharaoh is, is at the mic and, you know, with the pen. You know, one of the things that it's great to hear be real on this record. No, they don't have the time to decorate the trees, so they buckle. Buckle, little piggy killed the minor. Same piggy got paid to stay home. I was about to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cypress Hill shows up, man. Yeah, and, uh, it's, a, it's yeah. an unlikely pairing. I, I would have never thought to put them together, but it's a great track, and they're great. They sound great together. Well, and I, th- I think part of it, right, because I think this is a very dark record, right, mm-hmm. that is asking the country to excise itself from its yeah. history and maintenance of white supremacy. Yeah. Right? I think Pharaoh is going in and kind of doing almost like a psychological exorcism, like trying to get to the core of why mm-hmm. this country continues to be the way that it is. And yeah. I, I think, you know, Cypress Hill shows up in part because I think that they're a part of that super group with Public Enemy yeah, and Tom yeah. Morello and right, you know, that yeah. crew Profits, that we've talked Profits about. Of rage. Right, exactly. And so I think that that you know touring the country during this era of, mm. of you know the last four years is I think I mean Cypress Hill has always been political because they've been advocates yeah. for the legalization yeah. of marijuana and also the decriminalization of marijuana. Yes. Um, and I think that got them then involved in you know like toward prison abolition work too. Yes. And so I think that it does make sense to see this pairing because Pharaoh is so many things. And and I think at his core, he is also deeply concerned about the fate and the future of this of this country and has for a long time on record been examining like our group psychology. And, and you hear a lot yeah. of that on this record. Yeah, no, he he's definitely, you know, it's cool, it's cool to hear him with the band because he's he's always felt to me like a very um you know, there's always been a little rock energy with him, just just with his intensity. You know, you you get with Pharaoh, you get intensity, you get intricacy. Mm. You know, when he rhymes, it almost reminds me of like, you know, like Hendrix or like a you know that that tradition of sort of guitar soloing like and shredding. You know, that's how he is as a rapper to me. You know, it's just like that kind of. And I remember on um on uh I think it's the Desire album. He did a, a cover, since you mentioned Public Enemy, he did a cover of Welcome to the Terror Dome. I got so much trouble on my mind, refuse to lose. Here's your ticket, uh, hit a drummer, get wicked. The crew to you to push the back, the black attack. And to me, this album feels like the sort of follow-up to that. It, it feels like in that in that lineage of, of sort of welcome to his welcome to the terror dome cover from that album yeah well and it goes back to it reminds me a little of the judgment day record right and some <laughs> of the best wow. of like those those like you know rock rap collabs like you know not yeah. no limb biscuit but like you know the best of those records was like dell i think dell with dinosaur jr hey i gotta start it mcs get caught it off your soft dinosaur jr will find it's gonna ruin you but it places hey this is fat way this that De La Sonic you sung is Yo, you, thank you. crazy. Hey, yo, kids. What's up? 
remember when I used to be dope? Yeah. I own a pocket full of fame. But look what you're doing now. I know. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. Yeah, and I think that there was a lot of promise on that record that was never yeah. fulfilled. And in sure. some ways, I think, you know, Pharaoh knowingly, unknowingly, probably very knowingly is like taking up some of what that energy was. And 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 you see it. You see it on this record. Yeah, and I think I think it's been done so much and been explored so much, even, even since Judgment Night, you know, for better or for worse. You know, and I think so many just musicians, right? Like there are so many musicians that came up on hip hop, came up on soul, came up on funk. But also play, you know, we're we're just in this post Thundercat, post Robert Glasper world, and I, I think we're gonna see more of it, man. I think I think again, I've said it, I said it on the show a few times last year. I'll say it again, like we're mutating right now, you know, as the country's mutating, as the way we, you know, the way we do everything with music is totally changed, and we're just gonna see more mutations of black music and i think we're going to see more and that's what this album feels this album feels very forward looking to me you know i think you know I'm, i think of most def's album the black jack johnson project he did you know this feels to me in that trajectory but i think it goes even further. i think it's more successful actually you know no shots i, I liked that album yeah new, no that's a great new, that's new a great danger, project new danger, yeah that's what it's called yeah but uh but yeah this yeah. just sounds it didn't feel gimmicky to me it felt just very like yeah this is what pharaoh my because he's such an odd rapper anyway i mean and by odd i mean like he's he's not typical and um and so when you're a rapper that's not typical you need a typical type of product. You kind of need custom production. So I think it's a good look, man. And I, I'm, I, I'm excited to give it a few more listens, you know? Yeah, no, me too. Yeah. You're right. He is, he is, um, you know, Hendrix is a good comparison. Any of the, any of the great, um, you know, like horn improvisers too, right? Cause he's in pocket and out of pocket. But yeah. I think the thing about this record and maybe even the thing about this episode, it really is like, like hybridity and fluidity is clearly the future and a future that hip hop has, you know, been uh, advocating since its inception. This is what we do, y'all. Stick with us every single week right here on Vocalo. Check us out on all the streamers under uh, Vocalo Radio. Just search Vocalo Radio on all your streamers. Find us, same old new school. Kevin Cover, what you want to tell the people as we get up out of here? Yeah, man, on social media too. Let us know what, what we should be talking about. Put us on to to you know something you might want to hear. We're at Same Old New School on IG, which is the best place to be in tune with us. Peace.